Let us mind as we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day which you have given and this evening where we are gathered around your word. We pray, Lord, that you would share your peace in this place, that you would guide us by your Holy Spirit. Open our hearts and minds to hear your word and remove distractions from us, that we would hear ever more clearly of your Son. In his name we pray. Amen. Let me ask you the same question that I asked the kids. How easy is it to trust somebody's word? Who do you trust? It gets tricky, doesn't it? I mean, if somebody just walks in off the street and walks into your life and says, I have a million dollars for you, I'll send you an email. All I need (laughs) is a little info. It hits the trash pile pretty quick, right? Now, what if it was a long-lost family member that really was the family member, and they came to you in person, and they said, look, it's been a lot of years, I understand, uh, but... I've been saving up a lot, and I do have a million dollars for you. You might be awestruck, taken aback, wondering how it happened, but you might be more likely to actually trust their word because you have a relationship with them. You have something built with them. I mean, if you want to look at how we handle skepticism and wondering about people's words and wondering about what we can trust, my goodness, just look at this last year and a half and even the last couple of months. You have, you know, doctors in the world that will say masks and vaccines are absolutely necessary for everybody all the time. And you get a whole nother camp that says none of it's necessary at all. Just go about your life and what it is. I mean, who do you listen to? Who do we trust? Who do we let shape our actions? And and who do we walk along with in the midst of that? Or is it somewhere in the middle just trying to process all that information and deal with everything that comes our way? It's not the only aspect in life that we have to do that with, but there's many different places in life where we have to filter information, hear information, and decide what to do with it. And to trust somebody's word is risky. There's always risk involved. Because to trust somebody's word without full evidence of something, you are making yourself vulnerable to something. We have a hard time doing that as humans. We have a hard time saying that I'm going to give up a little bit of what I don't understand for you to tell me what I should do. That's a hard thing for a corrupted creation, for a sin-riddled creation to do because ever since the Garden of Eden, man has wanted to be in control. I mean, as as the serpent came in and wiled his way amongst the trees and looked at Eve and she's pondering that fruit and he says, what do you think about that? Oh, God said, don't touch it and don't eat it. He said, did God really say that? Why? Oh, we'll die. Well, you won't really die. Is that exactly what he says? It starts the wheels of skepticism turning. Then all of a sudden, it's, yeah, maybe that's all right. Maybe I'll follow this one desire and that'll be okay. And I'll take that and I'll put myself in a position of deciding what's good instead of listening to what God has already told me is good. And so, If I just replace myself in that spot, then I can guide my life. And then Satan smiles a little bit. But it's hard for us to trust a word. And like I said, it's risky. I mean, think about it. If you were to really take all of God's word in Scripture and hear it for what it is, it's hard to listen to. Because we want to set a standard for ourselves and we want to set up a standard for ourselves and say, 
here's the standard at which I think I can um, accomplish, and here's the standard which I think I can live by, and here's the standard where I think things are pretty good, and I'm not hurting anybody else, and I'm taking care of a few folks here and there, and I'm doing what needs to be done, and I'm going to hold this standard just fine. And then we hear God's word that said, no, that's not the standard. Here's the standard. And it's actually above that. It's perfection. And you know what? You don't stand up to it. We don't like hearing that. We don't like hearing that at all because that tells us that we can't do it and that we can't accomplish what God expects of us. And that is hard to listen to. We would much rather follow a path down a road that we decide upon and guide. So to hear a word from outside of ourselves that tells us something about us is a hard word to hear as well. It's a risky one. What does it mean if God's word about us is true? Even if you just hear the other half of it, not the law half of it, but the gospel side of it, if you have somebody come in and say, you are forgiven of your sins and you've never had a conversation about sin before, you say, wait a minute, what did I do wrong? What are you forgiving me for? What do you mean I'm sinful? Folks from outside the church, that's one of the first questions. We can tell them all day long about the peace and beauty and love of Jesus and the forgiveness of sins, and they say, well, I'm not sinful, so I don't need it. See, it's a tough thing to handle with one side and not the other of that word, but nonetheless, either half of it, a word from outside ourselves tells us something about ourselves that is kind of hard to hear. We don't like to hear that we're sinful. We don't like to hear that we uh, don't make the mark, don't live up to the standard. And as the disciples were there and Jesus came in, it was not too much different. Remember, that morning as Mary had run to the tomb to go take care of Jesus and then come back and told the disciples he was alive, they didn't trust her words either. Again, somebody that they had spent the last few years with, had developed a relationship with, and she was just proclaiming what Jesus said he was already going to do, and yet they still didn't trust her words, had to go verify it, had to go see it, and then didn't know what to do with it. And so I know Thomas gets a lot of flack for you know, being a doubter or being the one who wouldn't believe that Jesus was risen from the dead, and that's right, he didn't. But neither did any of the other disciples at that moment, either. So here's something about you, though. You're not Thomas. At least not in the way of rejecting the proclamation of the Easter resurrection. Okay? You have that faith. You have that belief. That is something that for many of you, you've had ever since you were little. That's a God-given, beautiful belief that you hold on to. And it's something that God has given you from outside of yourself. But what we do hold on to from time to time is that same sinful, corrupted creation that Thomas had to where we're going to be skeptical of certain things. And it's hard for us to wrap our heads around certain things, especially when we talk about the love of God. And this is why I love that Jesus didn't just come and live and die, but that he actually rose again and then walked into the middle of the disciples and didn't hound them about not believing at first, but just said, peace be with you. The peace that I have made between me and the Father, the wholeness of the relationship, the completeness of everything between creation and creator has been restored, and I give that to you as a gift. You hear it in Hebrew, it's shalom, peace be with you. He had to say it twice. 
before they actually kind of heard it. But that piece of him being raised from the dead, him being there as evidence, them being able to see that he was alive and he didn't just pop in for five minutes, but he actually walked around for 40 plus days with them and ate with them and went ahead of them to places and said, go there, I'll be there. And then he was there and they would still be surprised that he was there. And it wasn't just those 12, but he would raise and then show himself to many, many more during that time so that there would actually be physical evidence of him walking around. And those same disciples that said, we have seen the Lord, and they proclaimed that to Thomas and you. Their very word of first-hand witnesses, first-hand account of guys that had actually seen it, writing it down so that generation upon generation later would hear from the guys that were present. Hear from the guys that were there and in the midst of it. Hear from the guys that were actually breathed upon by Jesus. As they said, we have seen the Lord. You've actually been breathed upon by Jesus too. See, his word is poured over you in your baptism. His word is what has shaped you. His word is what has come from outside of you and made you look at life differently. His word is what proclaims you as a forgiven sinner, as he says, I forgive you. I have died for you and lived for you, and you're forgiven because of what Christ has done for you. Not just in his death, but definitely in his death, and then also in his resurrection, as we are justified before God because Christ has victory over death and then hands that over as a free gift and said, here's the peace. That even though your body is going to die, you won't die for eternity. You will live. Because I have one life for you. And it might be hard every now and then for us to trust that word because it was said so long ago. But it's a word that's true. And it's a word that was verified by the very word of God made flesh who was brought into this world and lived and died for you. And then rose again for you so that you would have life, that you would have forgiveness, and that you would have the very peace that he earned before God given to you as a gift. Like I said, it might be hard to trust from time to time, but it's true. God loves you. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done for us through Jesus, that he walked and talked with the disciples, not just before the crucifixion, but even after when they couldn't wrap their heads around it, and sometimes we have a hard time with it as well, yet you send your Holy Spirit to us to hold on to the same promise, that we are loved and forgiven by you because of Christ. Because he has that, same, he has that victory over death and then walked out of the grave, you have given us the same victory that you call us into life eternal. And we pray, Lord, that when that day comes, that... It would be a joyful day knowing that we will be in your presence. And we look forward to when you come back, Jesus. And in your holy name we pray. Amen. I invite you to rise as you're able as we confess to our God.